0: Hey, Westwood family, it's Pastor Kenneth here, and I just want you to know I love you and I miss you. As many of you know, someone in our family tested positive for COVID, and so for the past week or so, we as a family have been quarantined here at the house, and out of an abundance of caution, out of love of neighbor, out of love of our community, out of love for you, uh, we're not there with you today so that we don't unintentionally pass something along to you. By God's grace, this person is asymptomatic and our family continues to remain healthy, but we also want to make sure that we keep everyone safe in this season of life. Now, Lord willing, next week, I'll be back in the pulpit and we'll get to dig into the book of Proverbs together. Now, the plan was to finish up Proverbs through the end of September, but obviously God had something else in store. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And boy, is that true for 2020? Is that true for our faith family? And it's, it's true for the sermon series as well. So we will continue to trust the Lord through this season. Uh, now, for you Auburn fans, I still have a commitment that I must fulfill. And Lord willing, I plan to do it next week. But until then, faith family, please know I love you so much. But Jesus loves you more. Let's continue to impact our world for Jesus. May God richly bless you.
1: He is a man of character. I want you to know he's going to wear Auburn colors next week, and they could use it. They could use Kenneth doing that. I wasn't going to say anything. I'm sorry. I I apologize. I'm a Citadel Bulldog fan, so it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I'm kind of tired of the rhetoric of the COVID stuff. Are you guys I mean, we're, we're ready to move forward, right? Um, I have felt, and this is just kind of me, if you will, just introspectively, I, I felt that, that it's taken so much from us this past year. There's so much about life that I feel like has been stolen away. And I want you to know that today we're going to talk about God having a plan. Amen? God has a plan. Whether or not we can see it, Whether or not we can feel it right now, I want you to know that God has a plan. So whether or not you're in here or you're watching on our live stream, we thank you for being here. My name is Rick Swing. I'm the executive pastor, and I've been called into duty two weeks in a row. Last week was a little sudden, if you guys remember. 7.15 in the morning, I I got that phone call. Uh, I've had a week almost this week, so hopefully all is good. I'm less panicked as I step in the pulpit today. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. How beautiful it was this morning, right, to see a father baptize his daughter. Can we just say amen to all that? Amen. Amen. The family was over here, it was great to see them, they took my spot, so I didn't have a place to sit this morning, but amen, thank you for the family being here this morning. But what a joy it is, and I want you to know, it is a joy to see somebody come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord, or, Lord and Savior, and to follow that in obedience to baptism. Exodus chapter 14, Kenneth sent us the other day this um, this thing about how this pandemic has changed us along the way. And here's a few bullets before we get into Exodus 14. That article said that some have stopped taking risk. Would we all agree with that? Yeah, it's slowed us down a lot, hasn't it? Some are struggling with fear. Some have lost their sense of joy. Some have experienced stress in their marriages. And I only know that because I've gotten a lot of phone calls over the last six months. We thought it'd be great spending a lot of time together, right? We learned that, hey, maybe, maybe going off to work isn't a bad deal sometimes for our spouse. Some are feeling distant from God. Several months ago, I preached and I made this comment that we typically don't drift. When we drift, we don't drift in the right directions. We drift away from the right things. But I want you to know that God has a plan. Exodus 14 is the unbelievable story of how Jesus rescued his people, the Israelites, from captivity in Egypt. Um, What we probably don't know is, and and some of you who, who study the scriptures would know this, but Israel had been in captivity for about 430 years. About 400 of that had been in servitude to the Egyptians. So I want you to think about this for just a moment. Some, let's say there's 40 years to a generation. So some 10 generations have come and gone, and all they have known in those 10 generations. So these would be stories that they would pass on from generation to generation to generation. The only story they knew for 10 generations was this picture of being oppressed and being servants to the Egyptians. That's all they knew. That's all they were accustomed to. So when you had a child and you brought that child into the world, literally that child only knew oppression and servitude to the Egyptians. So some, for some 400 years they felt this oppression. And then, and then God, he had a plan. God shared this plan with a guy named Moses. Moses. In that burning bush, he said, Moses, whether or not you feel comfortable or not with this, I have chosen you to go to Pharaoh to set our people free. So that's what Moses did. He went to Pharaoh, and we know the story. We know the story of the ten plagues, then the last being the plague of the firstborn being killed. And there was the Passover, so those the Israelites who put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their home The angel of death passed over them, and their firstborn was not killed. Then finally, Pharaoh, I'm sure under a lot of stress because of his own son, decided enough is enough. I'm going to let the Israelites go. So that's what he does. Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt to a place that God had promised them, the land of Canaan. Which if we had a map up here, it'd be a little bit northeast of where they were. So they had to travel northeast to get to the land of Canaan. But I want you to know God had a plan. It would have been a much shorter distance if they would have just went northeast. But God knew in the midst of this that the people of Israel weren't strong enough physically. they weren't strong enough mentally. And they certainly weren't strong enough spiritually to be able to make that journey cuz he knew that the Egyptians would find them and the Egyptians would kill them in a war so he decided that he was going to take a different route so God in his ultimate plan took him south towards the sea the red sea where his plan was put into place there's three truths that we can practice To understand that God has a plan, and we find these three truths here in Exodus 14. Here's the plan. Number one, you and I, along with Moses and the nation of Israel, we need to listen, hear me, listen in the midst of chaos. There was absolute chaos going on. Now, I want you to try to imagine this. And if you've seen the movie Moses, or the, the Ten Commandments with Moses and, and Charlton Heston, y'all, those who are older in here have probably seen that. Those who are younger, you need to go see it. Theologians say that there was around 2 million men, will, w- women, and children. And not just that was there 2 million men, women, women, and children. There was, they had cattle, they had horses, they had stuff that they took along with them. So can you imagine if you were ahead of two million men, women, children, and all their belongings? Can you imagine that? Do you think there was any kind of chaos going on? Absolutely. The Israelites had no idea where they were headed. They had no idea how they would get food. They had no idea how they would care for the sick and the lame among them. They had no idea other than to follow Moses. Let me ask you and I today. So we may not be part of that kind of 2 man chaos, but what kind of struggles do you and I face even as we sit here in this place? What struggles do we face along the way? I do know some of those struggles in here because we've been asked to pray for them. Some of those struggles were loss of a job, furloughed out because of this pandemic. I know there have been people in here who have gotten sick with this disease called COVID-19. I know that currently we have some folks who are struggling with COVID-19. I also know that there's been death in our midst. I just went to a funeral the other day, Saturday, to Chad. Where's Chad at? Over here. His mother passed away and we went to that funeral. We struggle with things along the way, and I want you to know, in the midst of that struggle, if God can do this with the nation of Israel and Moses, God can certainly handle whatever I can bring to him. So we need to listen in the midst of chaos, and we do that by being sensitive in hearing. Now, you men in here, raise your hand. Okay, we have a hard time listening, don't we? Ladies, agree with that, right? My wife always tells me I have selective hearing, right? ESPN's on, the ball game's on. It's, it's like, I, I don't even, it, it, there's just mumbling going on over here next to me. We have a hard time listening. And I want you to know that, that, that here Moses, he needed to be sensitive and to truly hear. Look in verse 1 of chapter 14. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses. For Moses to do what God instructed him to do, Moses somehow had to put all this other stuff, leading two million people on feet, going to the promised land. I mean, he had to put that aside for a moment. He had to be sensitive and hear what God was trying to say. He needed to slow down, find a place that was quiet, and listen for God's voice to speak. Psalms 46 10 says be still and know that I am God most of us will be thinking of our response before God is done speaking to us right so God pricks your heart and 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 he's sharing things through the Holy Spirit or maybe through the word of God and says this is what you need in life and what we do is sometimes we say here's all the reasons I can't do that Lord Here's all the reasons why I cannot do what you're asking me to do. And I can imagine Moses. I mean, he did the same thing, right? When God told him to go see Pharaoh, Moses going, you want me, me, of all people? What am I gonna say? And literally God says, this is what I'm gonna tell you to say to Pharaoh. Tell him I am who I am. That's all you gotta say, I am. Sometimes our response before God is, is that we have all these reasons why we can't. And God says, be still and know that I am God. So we need to be sensitive in here. We need to be sure and respond. Look at verse four. God told Moses in verse four, he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue me. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh, literally the one true God. So the Israels did this. And once we know this is God's voice, once we know maybe through the scriptures or God uses some form to let us know what should be next, the question is, do we respond? Do we respond? Because I want you to know in the midst of this, God had a plan. He had a plan to deliver Israel and to make his mark. So we need to be sensitive when we try to listen and hear. We need to be sure and respond. And then listen, don't get in the way of it. I am so guilty of this. Look in verses 13 and 14. It says, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians will see today you will never see again. These Egyptians that are going to come after you, those that you see, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. He says, you need only to be still. In other words, let me do what I can do. Let me do the things that I can do as God. And don't get in the way of that. Be still. Don't try to interject what you think can happen, maybe through your experiences or, or, or maybe through how smart you are. God says, no, Rick. Rick. When I begin to work, I want you to be still and don't get in the way. See, they were afraid. Because here is Moses. He let them out. And they were happy for a while. And then all of a sudden, in the distance, and God had a plan, right? God had a plan. He wanted to confuse them, uh, the, the, the Egyptians. He wanted them to think that they were stuck and they had no place to go, that they were wandering around during this early stages God had a plan. And here's here's the Israelites. They see these armies and their chariots coming. And they begin to complain. What? You brought us out here to die? We would rather go back. Because that's all they knew, right? That's all they knew. For 10 generations, that's all they knew. Oh, we'll go back. But God had a plan. You know, you and I in this listening part, in the midst of chaos, you and I, we have a tendency to get in the way of what only God can and only God wants to do in our lives. And the struggle for us is, is unless you're in God's word, unless you're on your knees praying, so many times we get so far out ahead of God and he's always telling me, he's going, Rick, no, no, come, come back. Be patient, I've got this. So, understand God's plan. We have to first listen. Secondly, we have to lean. I want you to lean in the moment of challenge. Look in verse 15. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. In other words, I've already told you what to do. So, why do you continue to cry out to me for help? Proverbs 3 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? Trust in him. Don't lean on your own understanding in the process. Moses, I know know you're struggling. I know this is difficult. I know you got a bunch of people who just want to complain the whole time. He says, listen, I want you to trust me in the midst of this. I want you to lean upon me in the midst of this. When we lean, there's three things I want us to lean on. I want you to lean on the Savior. Peter writes in in 1 Peter 5, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus said, and I love this verse because it was my dad's favorite verse. He says, probably because of us kids in the home. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He says, and I will give you rest. Come to me. With all your burdens, all the things that you carry along the way. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. This world won't give you rest. Your boss won't give you rest. Your home won't give you rest. You come to me and Jesus says, I will give you rest. We lean upon the Savior. We also need to lean on the scriptures we all know this verse, but I'm going to read it 2 Timothy 3:16. It says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word thoroughly in the Greek literally means completely or perfectly. So that the man of God is perfectly equipped for every good work. That's what this does. That's what this does. And so many times it, it lays, and I've seen it many times, full of dust because I go to wash my car all the time because I got one of those little stickers, you know, up there, and I pay a monthly fee. So every day I'm taking my car through the car wash. And I'll see people all the time, and there's a Bible in their car, and where is it sitting? In the very back, right? And it's faded, and it's full of dust, it's probably be sitting there for years. This word of God, this is our roadmap. This will equip me. It says it, it, this this word of God here will perfectly and completely equip me for everything that God has in store for me. That's what it will do. And it will do it for you. James writes, don't just read it, do it. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. So we lean on the Savior, we lean on the scriptures, and we lean on the saved. That's this. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of this as the body. It says, the body, which are Christians, is a unit. Though it was made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I know it sounds simple. But usually we only lean when we have exhausted all the other options in our life, right? We don't start leaning on on the Savior. We don't start leaning on the Scriptures. We don't start leaning on the saved sometimes until all of the options are exhausted. And then our back is against the wall. And we have no other place to turn except those places. When my grandmother passed away years ago, Grandma Von Tobel, I'll never forget the feeling of a chapel full of family. So there's probably two to 300 family in this little town called Francisville, Indiana. I guarantee you there was more people in that chapel that day than in any other place in that town on that day. I'll never forget the feeling of of my dad leading worship that day at my grandmother's funeral. And they sang the song, When We All Get to Heaven. Y'all remember that? When we all get to heaven and there was harmony within the place because they were all farmers and they all grew up without TV and radio and stuff like that. So what did they do for entertainment? They would get together and they would sing. And it was the most beautiful chorus. There was harmony throughout that place. And my first gut feeling was how precious is this, that the body of Christ comes together to encourage and support. I mentioned Chad's mother passing away Saturday, and it was great to see family and friends who were there to support along the way. Lean, lean upon the save. Lean upon the scriptures, and lean upon the Savior. That's what we should do in the moment of challenge, and that's exactly what happened when Moses was meeting this challenge. He leaned on all of that. So we listen And we lean, and then thirdly, we learn in the message of champions. Look in chapter 14, verse 30 and 31. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. And in Moses, his servant. There was a message that was brought forth because Moses was a champion of God. He was a champion. If you want to know who some of those champions are, you can go to Hebrews chapter 11, and it's the kind of who's who, the hall of fame of these champions. Champions of God always expect God, listen, to work. Y'all hear that? A true champion of God is one who expects God to work. And if you go through that who's who of whose champions are in in Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see names like Abraham and Moses and Joseph. You'll see these people who walked with God along the way. And God credited them to them as, as champions. And their message was clear. If you serve him, that's all you need is to serve him. They expected God to work. And here's Moses, and God instructed Moses in verses 21 and 22, and let me read that. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on the right and on the left, God was going to work. Moses expected it because he was a champion. God did what he said he would do. And by the way, God always will. He always will. Proverbs 3.6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So we expect God to work. That's what a champion of God does. And a champion of God also expects God, listen, to win. Listen, I'm a dried up old athlete who still thinks I can beat anybody in horse. It's not true, but it's the way I think. And there's something about great athletes. They expect to win. That doesn't mean they win all the time, but the great ones expect to. The champions of God expected God to win day in and day out. Verse 25. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, and you're going to say why at the end. And it's because in our devotions as kids, and dad, if you're watching out there in South Florida, thank you for this. But in our devotions as kids around the kitchen table, my dad read this one day, and I laughed as a kid. Never forgot it. Verse 25. God wins he says, he made the wheels of the chariots come off so they had difficulty driving. Yes, right? <laughs> the wheels come off in your car, you're going to have difficulty driving. Amen? And I can remember going, I had this visual, this visual picture of these chariots and the wheels coming off and they had difficulty driving. I said, that's the, the biggest understatement of all time. Yes! I don't know if God just wanted to have something that we could laugh about, but I'm going, The wheels came off. God was going to win. (laughs) And the Egyptians said, I love this, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Yeah? Amen. Wheels are falling off. Chariots are blowing up. God is working for them. We need to get out of here. Expect God to win. Because at the end of verse 28, it says, not one of them, meaning the Egyptians, not one of them, these are the best of the best of the best that Pharaoh had in his army, not one of them survived. Not one. Do we expect God to win? Let's all be reminded of the fact that Paul wrote these words. If God is for us, who can be? against us because God has a plan. David understood that plan when he fought who? Goliath, right? David knew God had a plan. There was no reason for him to win. God had a plan. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego understood that standing in that fiery furnace that God had a plan, that God was going to win. Daniel understood that in the the lion's den, facing this lion. Daniel knew God had a plan. Samson understood that leaning against those pillars in the Philistines' temple, that God had a plan. Joseph understood that being sold into slavery by his brothers, God had a plan. Abraham understood that when he heard the ram in the thicket, God had a plan. Jonah, in the belly of a fish, understood that God had a plan when he was given a second chance. Mary understood that when she gave birth to Jesus, that God has a plan. And Jesus understood that on his way to Calvary. God not only had a plan, God was going to win. And we as Christians should understand that because on the third day, Y'all, on that third day, as promised, God had a plan to raise his son from that grave so that victory over death would be given to all who would believe. See, God wins, y'all. And champions of God expect God to win. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished this race because God wins. Luke 24 says, Jesus speaks to his disciples after his resurrection saying this. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. God wins. God wins. When my grandmother took her last breath, when my grandmother took her last breath, she knew God had won. She knew it. Because a champion of God expects God to win. So Rick, what does all this mean? Here's my impact point. No matter what, and I mean no matter what, And I know we we all face different things in life. My family, uh, Linda's family, she's she's facing a bunch of stuff. We have we have a I have a mother in law who's facing uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. We have other things going on. Listen, I know we all have stuff. We all do. But no matter what, I want you to know that God has a plan, and God always listen. He always wins. Always. Jesus states this in John 16, verse 33, and then I'm done and I'm going to pray. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, in me, only in me, you may have peace. In this world in which we live, this thing we call life, says you will have trouble. But he says, take heart. (laughs) Some of the greatest words in all the Bible. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Because God wins. God wins. I don't know what you're facing today. But I do know the best place that we can go is on our knees. I do know that the Savior of this world who died for you and me, that we found rejoicing in baptism over here, salvation, that Jesus understands exactly what you and I go through. And he is simply saying, hey, you come to me. Because I will guarantee you He can take everything that you've got. He can carry any load that you're carrying. And all he simply says is, just give it to me. Cast your anxiety, cast your cares upon him. Because he cares.